What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the Church in the Wild podcast. This is Seth, and today I've got a friend of mine joining me on the podcast, Adam Mabry of Aletheia Church in Boston, Massachusetts. He's the lead pastor there, and he's been a good friend of mine now for several years. And one thing that you will quickly learn about Adam after you've spent approximately about a minute or two with him is he's probably one of the most productive human beings on the planet. It's a near superhuman level. He's a very impressive guy. Um, But more than just his accomplishments, I've just really enjoyed who he is and the friendship that we've been able to share. And maybe most ironically, uh, very recently in his life, he's written a book on rest. The guy that does more than anyone else that I know has written a book on rest and on Sabbath and the beautiful idea of how God wants to restore us in a world that's only becoming more and more frantically busy. Uh, It's an incredible book. It's extremely practical, and it is very, very needed in our world. And so I was really excited to sit down and share this conversation uh, with Adam about his own journey and story with the idea of work and especially of rest. If you are interested in Adam's book, I'll make sure that some links for it are posted down in the show notes below. Um, And uh, But without further ado, you guys, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with me and my friend Adam. Well, this is going to be a fun time. I've got my good friend Adam Mabry here all the way from Boston, Massachusetts. And today we get to talk about his brand new book coming about, The Art of Rest. And before we get into any specifics about this book and its topic and what it's all about, I think the first thing we got to do, Adam, is call out the giant um, behemoth-sized elephant in the room of how literally the most productive human being I have ever met in my life that, as far as I can tell, does not have an off button, decided to write a book about rest. Adam, how in the world did this happen? Yeah, one thing led to another. The computer was there. I was there. We didn't really mean for it to happen. Um, uh, we, uh, it, it was really funny. I, I, uh, I was contacted by uh, the, the man who's now my, my editor and publisher, uh, to meet up and have a conversation about writing. And I was like, Oh, that's neat. And I kind of thought we would write about some of those things I am more productively oriented toward like church planting or ministry stuff or theology or those things that I kind of do with most of my time. And, um, and so I was pretty excited going into that meeting. I was like, Oh man, I'm going to get to write a book about maybe one of these things like, Oh, that, that this would be maybe a really cool meeting. And I had all these like hopes and expectations. And he was like, great. We want you to write a book. And I was like, yes. And then he was like unrest. And I was like, what? And I kind of, it was like one of those sounds, the, like the record being scratched, ah. uh, uh, you know, and I was like, uh, I think you must have meant a different Adam. Like, I think I could see what's happened here. You contacted the wrong guy. Um, it's okay. No big deal. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm good luck finding him. They're like, no, no, it was really, we really wanted to talk to you. And it was based on a teaching series. Uh, I did a few years back where, uh, I decided to, to do to teach on Sabbath in our church because as you have noted, I am not necessarily very good at it. In fact, I'm super bad at it. Hmm. Um, yeah, and so uh, yeah, I'm 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 highly productive and love food cheese stuff. And um, this book came out of the story of how I uh, almost achieved my own demise, actually, uh-huh. uh, in the midst of my sort of restless accomplishments toward all of the things. Um, and, uh, and how God taught me how I, if I, if I don't stop, um, I'm, I'm actually not 
I'm not pleasing him. I'm not living fully faithfully to the gospel mm. um, that I'm so diligently attempting to preach and disciple people to believe. And so <clears throat> the book is a lot about the journey, how I, I came to discover that, and how I, as like a really, really productive, you know, hypertensive, East Coast, twitchy kind of, you know, yes, dude, that. can learn, learn to rest. And, and, and the hope is like, man, if, if I can actually learn to rest, then probably almost anyone can. Yeah, there's probably a lot of truth to that. I yeah, I mean, you hear that all the time on uh, infomercials and so forth, and you're you're pretty sure they're lying to you. But I, as your friend, I think that's true. <laughs> that's if Adam yeah. Avery can Sabbath yeah. and rest well, I think there's hope for just about anyone out there. But can you take us back right. a little bit to kind of some of the timeline of when this is all going on, and when I guess some of these revelations are starting to come to you about how maybe your pace of life yeah. or maybe your orientation towards the gospel itself is off and. And um, and how God kind of introduced um, this material to you? Well, um, so late 2013, we have uh, just moved into a house that we we bought here in Boston. Which, um, because I'm not a zillionaire, the house we bought was like the mother of all fixer uppers, because mm. um, that was the only way we could afford a home here. Um, for those of your listeners who don't know, Boston is an extremely expensive real estate market, and uh, and so. We, we also had a child who just wouldn't sleep ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I had a church that was exploding, and we just launched a new location recently and a bunch of ministry stuff that was happening and a degree that I was wrapping up. And so I'm probably putting into my job at this point like 65 hours a week, easily mm-hmm. 70 maybe. And then I'm living in a house that I'm, I'm constantly remodeling and uh, so probably putting easy 10, 20 hours a week that like for yeah, sure yeah um and then not resting like literally not sleeping well because i have this small human terrorist in my bedroom um <laughs> keeping me and my wife awake and i've heard you refer to him and, as uh, a member of al-qaeda before you know i there's uh... yeah well you know it's a new program they're starting i think they're, <laughs> they're starting younger yeah. yeah um so uh and, and so all of this was kind of happening and I, you know i i have always gotten through my worst moments by just running harder mm. and breaking through. Mm. Um, that's kind of my, my past. Yeah, and so I just thought, right, I'll, I'm sure I'll just run harder and break through this. And at some point, like it won't be like this. And it just, it, it just didn't let up. And God in his mercy kept the pressure on because I think he wanted to teach me that, um, restlessness is deeply linked to unbelief. Um, I had a mentor uh, that you and I both know uh, called me once in the middle of that season. And he said, just kind of as an offhanded comment, like, hey, it'd be really great if, you know, at some point you began to believe the gospel you preach to folks. Hmm. And I was just really devastated and angry, angered by that comment. And but mostly because I knew it was true. Yeah. um, That that God could still maintain the universe well and my world well, even if I let go of it, um, a little bit. And, and so, yeah, it, it was there where, I, I mean, that season of my, my life hit the, the deep depression and just wanted to quit everything from my marriage to my ministry to just everything. Mm. Um, and, um, I didn't thank God. Um, and, uh, but coming out of that, I began to realize, man, if I don't learn to stop and drink in, rest with God, I will never be able to get much work done with him. Um, and so that was kind of the beginning of the, 
learning of the habit for me and then yeah. really diving into the theology behind it uh, came as I tried to teach the church what I was myself only learning sometimes just weeks prior uh, to opening my mouth before them. Right. Right. It se- I mean, it seems like, I mean, your story, um, if people were to know you personally, would say like, yeah, there's there's some extreme dimensions to who you are, your personality and so forth, and, and just how much energy and, you know, and how much productivity you're able to actually accomplish. But this seems to be pretty universal, right? I mean, I mean, you're living in, right in the middle of uh, of Boston, you've got a church located, you know, just a stone's throw from Harvard and MIT and so forth. And so you're talking about a pretty highly productive cultural environment that you're swimming in. Have you, I mean, how, how much have you noticed people resonating with this message of burnout or rest and, and so forth? I mean, is this really, is this something that really connected pretty quickly with the people that you were leading? Is this, was this an untapped need that you were beginning to experience or... How did you see this kind of playing out, the message that uh, God was doing in your life? How did it relate to people around you? Yeah, it was. T- I mean, that's totally a problem here. I mean, when you come to Boston, your uh, busyness is currency. Mm. Um, and, and it's really cultural capital to how, how important you are. In fact, there was a study recently done around here. I think it was an Oxford study um, that, that suggests, for some reason, in the modern Western kind of big city world, um, busyness is now the new um, sort of signal of importance. Where like 100 years ago or 200 years ago in like the Victorian era, long periods of leisure were how you signaled to the world that you were of high status in society. And now it's the lack of leisure which signals to the world how important and how, how high of status you have in society. And so, Really? That's really you, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is really interesting, and it, and when I bumped into that study, I was like, oh, that's totally true, because some of the most high-achieving people that I'm ministering to will often come to me and, and tell me how busy I am, as if to compliment me, mm. um, and I, recently, in recent years, I found that quite odd, like, I... I, I don't I don't fancy myself very busy. I don't think oh I'm I'm super busy. That's not something I I think about much. I think I'm probably as busy as most other people. But right. we think that busyness equals worth, value, importance. And so, I mean, yeah, you're you're taking a, a like the top top thinkers and doers in the world, and you're throwing them all into the same campuses in the same city, and uh, asking them to achieve competing against one another for, you know, positions at elite, you know, graduate programs and, you know, elite companies and elite uh, internships and, and what it produces, the amount of anxiety it produces. I've never shepherded a people or been around a people who were more anxious and more depressed and more serially burnt out and tired than I have here. Um, yeah. hmm. And so, yeah, I, I think that um, th- this is very much something that we uh, we deal with here. But I think it's everywhere in the, you know, I mean, the internet in some sense has shrunk yeah, the world. Yeah, in some form. And yeah, and now we imagine ourselves to be highly important if we are highly productive. And that is simply not true. Um, our worth and value and dignity before God and our our worthiness to be loved by him uh, and, our wor- and our worthiness and deservedness to enjoy his rest yeah. has nothing to do with our productivity. And that's the crazy upside down teaching of the gospel that I just had a really hard time believing. Yeah. There's a, there's a quote that I've often remembered from Bill Walton, not my most favorite uh, sports commentator personality ever, but it's a really profound quote where he says, essentially, never mistake activity for productivity. 
And I, I wonder kind of what you're saying, because I've often kind of sensed this in my own soul. And once you kind of become aware, it, aware of it in your own, you can quickly discern it almost in others that I know that I always feel better about myself the more active I am. I mean, when you throw the word productivity around, maybe that's can have a more pro- positive bent to it, really achieving something of value and of worth. But it seems like, it seems like to me, I've noticed this, this somewhat in my own soul, but I've significantly noticed it kind of in the Christian church kind of culture around me. That, uh, and I don't think this is like super new to the whole internet iPhone age, that activity is the thing that we all are doing to keep ourselves from feeling a sense of guilt or lack or unworthiness. Um, and, and almost this, this just creeps into normal spiritual life. Or as long as I'm busy, busy with the next Bible study or busy with the next church program or busy with the next volunteer opportunity. Um, and this really becomes a problem, A, because it doesn't lean well towards rest. But B, I would almost even push back that that's, that's an activity that is not actually necessarily leading to productivity. So I'm, I'm wondering, Adam, if you might be able to speak into like the, the difference, like when you're just hyper busy like that is... Is there an actual thing that Jesus wants you to produce out of your life that you're actually giving away and not producing just by the sheer amount of activity that you're undertaking? Yeah. Um, the short answer to your question is yes. Yes. Um, but I think, I think that, so you have two problems when, yeah. you're, when you're relentlessly doing. Uh, the first is you aren't as productive as you could be. You are active, but you're not productive. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, the quality of the work that anyone produces is simply limited by uh, restlessness. Sure. Um, I mean, this is just basic human science. Like, you can't you can't train for a marathon if all you do is run. Like, there's a whole running and resting and on days and off days and and food and like there's a whole there's a whole like a nexus of things that you need in order to um, in order to uh, prepare well for the this for exertion. Yeah. But I think the bigger problem is for the Christian is when we work, even if we're saying we're working for God and we never rest, we're not working for the God of the Bible or we're not working mm. for him the way he asks us to. And I actually found this mostly in the Exodus story. So yes. um, a huge, huge portion of the Exodus story, um, right? So, the, the, the you know, because you're a pastor and you preached it, the architecture of the book is God delivers his people. Then he gives them the law to tell them, this is how I want you to live differently than when you were enslaved to this false God King. Now you are living as my freely chosen sons and daughters of the true King. But when you're enslaved to the false God King, that was the wrong way to live. That's not the way you're to live now. And one of those ways when they were enslaved Pharaoh, Pharaoh was enthroned on their ceaseless labor. So they had to constantly work so that Pharaoh uh, could be constantly at rest. Um, but, but God is not like that. The God of the Bible is the God who works for his people and doesn't need us to do anything for him to be also restful. Um, so therefore, he has rest to invite us into mm. while also assuring us that he will work for us. Um, and, and so that's why, that's why God gets so bent out of shape uh, at Israel for violating uh, Sabbath laws, is that it, when, when they did, they were telling a totally different story, a pagan story with their lives, mm. even though with their mouths and their sacrifices, they were saying, oh, you know, we worship you know, the God of the Bible. With their lives, they weren't. They weren't trusting that God would take care of the harvest or that God would meet their needs or that God would bless them or that God would actually satisfy uh, the, the issues of their lives or take care of their nation. And it's no different for us, man. When we refuse to stop, the story 
that we tell American society particularly is, uh, yeah, all the same pressures that everyone else feels, we feel too, and God really can't speak to any of them, which is why we just kind of go along with all of them. Yeah. And that's not true. That's not the story we're meant to tell. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like... Uh... It seems like for anyone that has any kind of a struggle, whether it's it's business or anything else that seems antithetical to the way that God would have us live, uh, oftentimes it, it comes out of trying to satisfy uh, some sort of need in our life and maybe going about it in ways that are counterproductive or going in ways that are at least counter to the way that God has made us to live and made us to live in right relationship with Him. Um, I'm wondering, Adam, if you kind of have any thoughts, you know, we're living in a culture that is that is pretty chronically busy, but as, as someone that is being healed of that and by grace being kind of brought out of that, you know, where, are, is there any insight that you can kind of point to and say like, yeah, here's, here's some places in my life or from my background or um, kind of things that you believed or kind of grew up on that kind of led you into that lifestyle of over business, not being able to rest, not being able to trust God in that area. Is there anything that you think others might be able to, to relate to as, in terms of your story there? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that first I, I believe in really hard work. Like I think yeah. that we should work with all of our might. I mean, the scriptures tell us to work with all of our might for the Lord. And so I believe in, in coming home tired, having exerted yourself, uh, from a hard day's work. And I think that's pleasing to the Lord. Um, but I, I simply also believe that the scriptures invite us to stop that activity and then rest when we're at home and not, and not keep the iPhone out at dinner and, you know, constantly answer the email as if this were some sort of digitally modified chain, uh, that extends all the way from your desk to your house. Um, uh, and so I, th I think for me, constant labor, uh, you, you talked about this earlier, man, where we work in order to not have to deal with feelings, yeah. uh, certain like negative feelings. I think I worked to not have to deal with any feelings. Mm. Um, uh, cause when I'm being productive, man, I I'm, I'm great, man. I'm Pavlov's dog. Like the bell dings, I get the snack. Like that's nothing feels as good to me, um, as taking out my pen, uh, and scratching something through my to-do list. It is just a deeply satisfying sound and feeling. And I like it a lot. And, um, and that I was allowing that to the feeling of that to simply replace the other things that God uh, maybe perhaps wanted me to feel from him or, or just feelings and emotions and stuff of life that I needed to process through. And so to the chronically busy person listening to this, I'm, I might ask them to consider that perhaps they're working so hard so that they won't have to feel yeah. what they don't, what, what they know is probably there and needs to be dealt with. Yeah. Um, but they don't know how, um, and they don't want to, and they don't believe that God could help them do it. Yeah. So they're just going to bust it and, and make sure they never have to really see that monster lurking just under all of their activity. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's incredibly well said. I think, I think for me, I, I can relate to a lot of that. I've, I've come to, you know, kind of being the pastor is a blessing and the curse sometimes, because sometimes you get a lot of insight into kind of how humans are wired and meant to relate to God. And then of course you become your own Guinea pig in a lot of that process, you know? So um, it's kind of one sure. of the first areas that you, you really feel the pain of the brokenness sometimes is in, is in your own life. And, you know, I've realized that, you know, a lot of those things that I've, I've tried to avoid and whether it's using work or, or busyness or, or honestly several other things to try to mask, 
it's, it's really been trying to just overcome shame in my life. And, you know, a shame of, of a sense of like, man, I don't measure up. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. Like I need to prove myself. Um, I'm also always feeling almost like you've got that chip on your shoulder in a sense. And, uh, you know, I don't have the nod from anyone just to validate at the core of my being, um, that I'm, that I'm right or that I'm okay. And so you kind of live with this kind of never ending, um, you know, trail to follow, you know, and it's, it's, it's just truly this, this endless kind of, remember that game Temple Run that was popular for a little while, like on the, yeah. on, your, on your phone, you know, it's just that endless running, like I'm just endlessly, the, the trail just never, ever ends because the second I would stop, I would feel like I'm, I'm no longer soothing this shame, you know, um, that uh, is telling me that I'm not good enough, that I have to overcompensate for in order to, in order to kind of put the bomb on it. Um, but it sure seems like our culture needs a better place to get their shame covered. And once that's covered, you now have the freedom to work and arrest without having to prove yourself or, or overcome like some chip on your shoulder, but you can actually do it out of appreciation for honestly what God has already done for you in the gospel. Um, and then just live according to how you were made in his design, um, which is not just to enslave you and like, like, extract the most amount of effort out of you, but is honestly intended to give you life both in work and in rest. Um, but that's, but that's a really difficult thing to deal with. Is there anything that you found, Adam? I mean, saying that, man, I did not want to deal with a lot of feelings. Is there anything that you found that kind of either from God or from, you know, wherever other source that kind of gave you the courage uh, to go there and to kind of deal with not working and to, to process those feelings? <laughs> Well, I'd love to tell you, like, oh, yeah, I, I felt really inspired to deal with my emotions. Uh, yeah, God made me stop because my, my body and life stopped working. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, you and I have a mutual friend who's fond of saying, you know, those things that we use as coping mechanisms early in life often break later in life so that mm. we can deal with the, the problem under the that thing. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, early on in life, man, uh, when things weren't great in my family growing up, uh, the only positive feedback I would ever get was when I did something successful or meaningful. Yeah. So I just lined myself up to do a bunch of those things and get the high fives um, and, and the affirmation that I perhaps was lacking in other ways. But um, the thing about that is that, that works for a minute. Um, but that's not a great way to live forever um, and not a great way to live in your you know 20s and 30s and 40s. Um, not a great way to live before your children and definitely not a great way to have a great relationship with your wife. Um, and so uh, it stopped working. And I, I kind of came to an existential crisis because I've always been the guy who gets stuff done. Yeah. And when I couldn't achieve my own, like the, the, my way out of my own problems, uh, I had to deal with the fact that maybe there's a problem that achievement and activity doesn't solve. Uh, um, yeah. And that's, that was like an existential crisis. Man. How scary um, was that, though? Super, super yeah. scary. Um, <laughs> that sounds terrifying. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it was, it was really awful, um, and I, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But uh, on the other side of it, I'm probably a better person to be married to, and sure. uh, to be, to be, uh, you know, to to be a son or daughter of. And I, I'm sure I'm a better pastor. Um, and even if I wasn't necessarily much better at those things, I, I'm a better human. Um, and I actually trust God more now. Um, and, and, and I think that this is, it's possible for anyone. I think one of the things that was frustrating when I was in this was that I bought a bunch of books on the Sabbath 
and rest and all of this. And they all seem to be written by like guys in their mid to late sixties who mm-hmm. were in retirement and lived these very picturesque lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and they're just useless to me <laughs> uh, if, because I'm like, well, yeah, I'm sure in retirement I'll feel a little bit more at peace, but yeah, I get to just get to sit by the lake like and the collect my pension mom, kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like right. give me, give me the mom of like five small children who's, you know, finding peace or give me, give me the dad, you know, in his late thirties trying to, make it to a place financially that he can, you know, support his family or something like where, where's that guy finding rest? Uh, yeah. And that's actually what my book is kind of designed to, to do. Um, because I don't think, uh, well, the retirement is probably a good time to begin learning how to stop. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it's probably misses the point by that point. Not that it's not important, but, um, there's something important needs to happen before then for sure. Um, so I'm I'm curious, Adam. Like, what? Uh, so, what are some of the the practical things? So, your your body starts shutting down. Your life, your coping mechanisms, you know, start shutting down. You're starting to be forced to kind of deal with some of these inner emotional realities that you have. Um, I'm kind of wondering as you've kind of tried to take, I'm sure, the first steps, you know, towards Sabbath and towards rest. Um, was there anything on the practical side of things that you found helpful to begin making sure that that was actually happening? Yes. Um, uh, it's a practice that I've, uh, kept on to pretty consistently since then is when my feet hit the floor in the morning, um, to utter Thanksgiving first, letting Thanksgiving to God be the first thing to come out of my mouth. Yeah. Um, instead of picking up my phone and viewing all the things that are facing uh, me that day. They're always problems, um, aren't they? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. None of them are like, Hey, these five people want to meet with you and like hand you some candy and give you a high five and tell you you're doing a great job. Like those people never want to have an appointment with me. Um, uh, and never send me emails. So yeah. So b- before I face the dates, utter gratitude and let Thanksgiving, um, prepare the way for m- my day. Um, another practical, like, here's a practical thing. I had to actually, um, I had to actually calendar when I was going to stop and then do what my calendar said. Mm. Um, I simply do not believe anyone who says they don't have time to stop unless they are, they've like recently brought a human being into the world or they're in some extreme medical condition or if they're a medical resident. I know those people like are, are, you know, it's really difficult to stop, but like most people, um, actually can stop, uh, if they wanted to. And the reason that I know this is because most of us do what we want to do most of the time in most Western countries. Like we, mm-hmm. we have the freedom to do what we want, you know, and we, mm-hmm. we, we buy the coffee we want, we go and we see the movie we, we want. And we, you know, we, all of us have, you know, caught up on all 2000 hours of that most recent Netflix thing. If we want to, it's like, I, it, I simply refuse to buy the excuse. I'm really busy. Uh, from most people, um, and, and mostly for myself, um, uh, I, I don't believe I'm too busy to rest because I believe that God orders my life and isn't going to lay a burden on me that I will cause me to be disobedient to Him. Yeah. Um, and for me, I think that rest is a matter of obedience. Um, so to refuse the excuse of busyness, I think um, you know, one of the chapters in my book is titled "Rest is Resistance," and mm. and it is. Rest is a profound act of protest against this um, false gospel uh, that tells me I am what I do and I'm only as important as my achievements. 
Um, yeah. That's not true. That's not why Jesus died and rose for me and invites me in a relationship with him because I have, you know, X many degrees or write X many words or pastor a church. Like, that's not what he's impressed with. Yeah. He loves me on the basis of his character, not on the basis of my achievement. And I know, like, any Orthodox Christian would be like, yeah, I believe that. But we don't on, like, Saturday when we're driving to 19 sports events and we're bitter at our children for having made us spend $500 on new shoes. Um, and yet here we are enslaved to Johnny's soccer schedule. Like that's, that's not the way we're necessarily meant to live. Um, we, we can stop. And by, by learning to stop, it's a, it's a hand up saying, no, I'm not going to live the way my world is demanding me all of the time because I am not made for this world. Um, I'm actually part of remaking this world in the likeness of heaven. Um, and, and in heaven, there probably won't be too many stressed out, restless, anxious people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's a phrase in in the Bible that, uh, that always catches my eye. It's the phrase that we're called to strive to enter God's rest. You see it in a couple of different yeah. places, right? That we strive to enter his yeah. rest, which always seems paradoxical, right? <laughs> like, I'm not sure if that, if they paired the right two words together to try to capture an idea. But I think the, the idea you're articulating is, is so true and needs to be acknowledged that rest in our world is just that. It is resistance. And so to simply, like, yes, people can stop, but in order to truly be able to stop, a lot of people are going to have to rewire their schedules, like hardwire something into it. Um, I know even for, like, um, for myself, it's one thing, but I found even for my wife as a mother, it's a whole other thing. If she really wants a true day of rest from what she kind of has to normally do, it requires she really has to be thoughtful and plan. And on the day before she's really going to take a day off, she has to make sure there's a lot of details handled so she doesn't have to think about them the next day. Um, in mm -hmm. some ways, it's, there is like a striving or a working or an intentionality to resting. I think a lot of people that just assume like, oh, yeah, there's plenty of people out there that could just pull the plug and take a day off and it's not going to be a thing. But I think there's a lot of other people out there who have worked so hard to hardwire their lives for a 24-7 rhythm that they might actually have to exert some effort and resistance to begin to set aside a moment or season uh, to actually to actually rest. Um, is there anything else that you would say, Adam, that that uh, that has been helpful to you. I mean, starting off your day with Thanksgiving is that is hugely, hugely powerful. Um, I know people really need to be encouraged to not look at their phone the first thing in the morning. They have to find life because phones just suck it out of them. Uh, so they need to find life mm -hmm. from somewhere else. Is there anything else just in? So once you're engaged in that, like in a day of rest, like what? How do? Like what do you do on that day? I mean, you're just are you just getting up, lounging around the house in PJs? Like like what? What does a day of rest yeah. actually look like? No, uh, no, my, uh, so this is counterintuitive. My days of rest are usually pretty productive, <laughs> uh, but that's because my, that's be, because part, part of the way I rest is by, um, uh, the lost art of avocation. Um, avocation is, uh, like not your vocation, right? That's what the word means. So, mm. um, I, I like to work with my hands. Um, so I like to build stuff and like tinker on my old house, um, sometimes or, uh, to, to go on a run or, or to, to, pick up a hobby. My wife has like nine hobbies um, and that they're really life giving to her. And it looks like she's working really hard, um, but it's avocation. It's, it's life giving enjoyment of a thing. I like to cook. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll pretend like, you know, my, my kitchen is the set of that that, uh, that show chopped. Right. And I'll just mm -hmm. find something and like try to make something delicious. I, I, that, that's one thing that I do um, in, in the book. I list a, a bunch of other things. Um, that I think count for meaningful 
rest. And and I want I want your audience to hear me. I'm not a Sabbatarian. I don't think that this has to be like a Sunday, you know, 24 hour period. Um, although I, I think that such people would, would agree with like 95% of what's in the book and be helped by it. Um, I, I don't embrace that position theologically. Um, but I do think, uh, whilst, while not taking a weekly day off is not sin, it is definitely stupid. Like mm, it's just the yeah. height of stupidity. Um, because what, what the Bible gives us in, you know, as a commandment in the old Testament, I think is, is there for us to see as, as at least wisdom um, yeah, in the right. new Testament. And, right. and so setting up rhythms of, um, you know, I, I try to, I try to take gaps in my day to, uh, to, to, to give thanks and to breathe. Um, and it, for even my days, you know, to be highly productive and let, let me have five minutes between my meetings just to pray and set my heart right for about what I'm about, what I'm going to do next. Um, so I'm drawing on God and not, I'm, I'm not drawing on just my own, my own flesh. Um, uh, how, how can I stop in the middle, you know, each week, uh, where, when am I going to vacation and, and, and what mm. kinds of breaks do, do I need? So sometimes we need to take a whole family vacation. Sometimes I need to, you know, I need a vacation from that kind of stuff. I need to go away for three days on my own. And my wife too. Um, and, uh, and recognizing like that, that's, that's good. That's the, the way we were meant to live. Um, and, and it's, it's a good thing. And that I can't do for God, what I'm called to do, if I won't embrace those patterns, and I, I, that's the that's the big that's the big revelation for me. Like, so on one hand, for the for my fellow achievers out there, rest is the way you get more done. Um, mm. If you don't rest, you will burn out, or the work you do won't be as good. It's like tithing. Like the strange thing happens when you begin to give God your money is that you know you live better on what He lets you keep by being faithful with what he asks you to hand to him. Yeah. Um, it's the weirdest thing. It's super counterintuitive. You'd think, you know, by giving 10, 15, 20% of your money away, you, you would live less well, but resoundingly, uh, that's just not the testimony of the people who, who give generously. The people who give generously, uh, to God are always glad they did it. And, and, and there's a prosperity both in their souls. And very often that is commensurate in their, in their, uh, personal, uh, like finances. Well, I think it's the same way with our time, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the old adage, time is money. Like, well, are, are you, are you willing to give part of that too? Um, and, and not just give it to the church by leading and doing more activities. That's the way, man, uh, nothing can kill rest. Like saying yes to every church activity. Um, you and I are both pastors and we are great at, yeah. at uh, creating more restlessness in people by just asking them to do one more thing. And we've really had to like build this into our volunteer culture at our church that like, if you are on the verge of burnout and you know, you're feeling exhausted and you're signed up for a ministry team and you need to tell us, no, that's okay. Like we would rather the chairs, you know, be less straight or, or, you know, not have an electric guitar on Sunday and you be prospering in your soul than, uh, for us to just build a machine that burns you out. Yeah. That's really um, good because humans matter more than, you know, getting, getting the show pulled off, if you like. Um, and, and so we even have to build this into church culture, I think as well. Is there, is there anything along those lines, um, for any leaders that are listening just to, cause I, whether you lead in a church or, or just at home or wherever else, like, is there any way that you've seen just as a leader helping lead people into that rest? If there's any systems that you guys have built in, whether your staff or your volunteers or your family and so forth, anything that you've seen helpful 
to help other people step out in the area of rest? Yeah, well, I actually ask like those employees that I, I manage their direct reports, I ask them if they're taking like a Sabbath each week. And if they're not, I, I get onto them. Yeah. Um, so it's an accountability for me, issue. It's a matter of, yeah, first yeah, and foremost. For yeah. me, it's a matter of you're not going to work well for me if you don't rest well with God. Like, uh, you're just not. And so I think it's a very product, like, productive function of this. Um, the second is, I, you know, as I said, we want to build it into our volunteer culture that um, serving God doesn't mean ceaselessly laboring. Um, but it also means resting. Even like even in the way we do small groups, like we've told our, our small group leaders, like, you know, every so often, you know, every four or five, six weeks, you should take your group and go, just go do something fun, like laugh together, man. Like mm. go find, find what you guys enjoy. Put, put the study down for a second and just embrace God's good world and enjoy it. I mean, we're going to inherit this whole thing, right? And it just seems to me learning how to rest is part of learning how to enjoy the things that God has made for us. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the whole idea in the gospel is that we, we little kings and queens get to rule Narnia with our, with our lion king, right? Like yeah. that's, that's the deal, right? Well, it would be good if we became acquainted with our realm and like learned why it was so great. Um, and, and it's very easy for hyper-achieving lost people to, when they become Christians, become hyper-achieving Christians and never learn what they're working for. Mm. Never, never breathe in the air that was made for them, um, and, and enjoy it. And it just seems to me that's a huge part of being a worshipful creature is actually embracing your creatureliness, um, and, and the, the world that you're made in and for. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Those are some practical things. Yeah, those are some really good things. I guess, uh, finally, one of the things I'm, I'm really curious about, as you begin resting, Adam, like as we were kind of talking about earlier, obviously it's going to it's gonna kind of open you up to, to think and ponder things and feel things that you wouldn't otherwise uh, would. I guess how do you make sure um, for, for someone like you, someone really kind of moved in the direction of achievement, of being a really a, a, a primary thing that feeds into your... Uh, sense of value and pleasure and so forth. Um, how do you make sure that that during those moments of rest that you're giving appropriate attention to those emotions you said you were kind of trying to ignore? How do you make sure you're really listening to, you know, whatever's kind of going on inside of you or the voice of God, what he's trying to say to you? Yeah, I, well, I think that's why the uh, the times of rest have to be like varied and, and um like I can't only advocate, for instance, like there, there are times to meditate, mm. there are times to pray, there are times to just sit in silence. Boy, there's a, there's a spiritual discipline that I'm just horrible at. Sure. Um, uh, I'm uh, don't be so quick to agree. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I like, those are the ways we gotta, we gotta listen, man. And, um, and reflect on God, what are you saying to me? And what am I saying to myself? And, do I ever even have time to hear? Because uh, even in like the productive Christian life, right? I mean, you're, we're told to have this quiet time in the morning, uh, you know, go and you know, spend 20 minutes in the Word. And very often even that's like a thing I got to do, right? I got to read my Bible. Yeah, I got to right. get through my prayer list. And I don't have any time to like slow down and listen to God much um, or, or myself. I mean, it's for me, I, I have that time at like 530 in the morning before my kids get up. And if I don't have it, then it won't happen. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I am not my most reflective uh, at 5:30 in the morning, um, which I think is a is a huge practice to engage in on a day where I'm, you know, taking a walk and can listen. I mean, it's 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 hilarious to hear myself say some of this because it, I 
I just thought this stuff was such nonsense for so long. Mm. Um, and, and hear me by it by itself. I think it is nonsense. Like just taking a walk, just enjoying creation by itself is not, it, it, that's just kind of new age spirituality, but recognizing that we are embodied creatures made for God by God. And that this is part of the way we know him, um, because of the grace and mercy of Jesus with a renewed sense of uh, who we are and a relationship with him. Oh man, now those things are suddenly pregnant with meaning and possibility. Um, and it's not just down to us to sort of feel at one with some vague sense of spirituality, but like now we're slowing down long enough to listen to the one we're made by and for telling us like, Hey, these are the things that I want to talk to you about. This is the, these are the movement of your life. These are the rough parts of your soul. I want to, I want to, you know, deal with. And so, yeah, the, the slowing down and reflection piece is huge um, for me on a, on a day off and in times of rest. Yeah. I guess on a, on a real note, I mean, how's it going? I mean, it's been, it's been a couple of years now. I mean, you've written, you've now yeah. written a book on it. Um, like yeah. not, not everything <laughs> just changes overnight. I realize people just flip switches and, and, um, you know, become no. brand new in a day, but how, how has it been going for you? <clears throat> Um, yeah, so uh, there's a, a small degree of self-condemnation that happens when you write a book on rest and you find yourself <laughs> sometimes still restless. Yeah. Um, uh, and I have, uh, there have been a good number of times in the last few months where I'm like, man, and now, now I'm supposed to be an expert, but that's why I call it the art of rest. It's an mm -hmm. art form mm -hmm. and, and not how to become a virtuoso at rest. Um, most people engage in art forms that they are not experts at. Very right. few of us are expert singers or expert painters or expert, uh, you know, whatever. Um, so as an art form, it's something you got to pick up and, and continue to practice and get better at and, uh, make more, more beautiful and more expressive, um, with, with each, with each, um, attempt. And so that, that's why I think it's more of an art than it, than it is a rule, more of a, um, an invitation and less of like a, you know, just determined, um, you know, six steps that, that yeah. you have to do. So yeah, really how's good. it going? Um, well, definitely better than it was. Um, and I'm, uh, n not as great as it could be, uh, but better than it was. Um, I, I think that I'm, I think I have a life now that's more attractive missionally, like that, that looks more like a life someone might want to have than I had three years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's probably, a more faithful representation of the Christian life to my children and my wife who see me the most. Um, I'm certainly not perfect at it. And, uh, there, there are definitely places I think that I, I can improve and, and ways I totally still feel the pressures of, you know, the false God of this world uh, yeah. to act as if I were still in bondage to him and picking up the art of rest reminds me that I'm not, and that I, I serve a King who's really, really, really good. And I don't have to impress him. Yeah, uh, he already loves me a lot. Yeah, that's really good, Adam. I'm just curious. This is just uh, this is me wondering, but um, you are you are a pretty productive guy. You produce a lot of content material. You're one of my favorite communicators for sure. Um, I know I know you just have a book coming out, and this is probably not the uh, most sensitive time to ask a question like this. But I'm just really curious. I mean, what is there anything else that's been on your mind or on your brain? Any kind of future kind of topics that you feel like you We'll write about in the future. I, I guess what uh, I guess what's next. What what else are you What else are you thinking about that's really got piqued your interest lately? Oh, um, yeah, uh, great question. Um, well, I'm 
so as if to be completely uh, go back on everything that I've just said, I'm, I'm currently engaged in, in two, uh, two doctoral programs where I'm, I'm studying the Holy Spirit. Um, so I will hopefully soon write like a dissertation that allows me to stop these programs and maybe gain a degree. Yes. Uh, so those things I'm writing on, that would be, that'd be great if there was an end date to those. Um, I'm fascinated by what it takes to hold really deep convictions and also really high respect for other humans. Mm. So um, pr- particularly in, you know, Christian tribes, how, how do we, how do we, hold convictions about, you know, sovereignty or the end of times or what it means to be men and women, um, and hold on to our brothers and sisters who don't hold those convictions too. Um, so I I would love to write a book about what it, what it takes to faithfully live in the tensions there. Um, and I'd love, I'd love to help because I I think, I think the fever pitch of our world's, uh, kind of restless politicizing polarization. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that it's I think it's wearing people out worse um, than um, just the pressure to have an opinion and pick a side about everything. Yeah, I think it's very dehumanizing. It flattens um, the world in a way that, that's meant to be a little bit more nuanced and multivalent. And, yep. Um, and that's not to say that strong convictions don't exist. Anybody no. who knows me knows that I am a man of strong convictions. But how do you have them and also have friendships and uh, and point counterpoint conversations, yeah, uh, not demonize people. the um, other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I would really love to write, a, write something on the tensions there. Um, and, uh, and, and I also pastor like a, like a fast growing multi-ethnic church. And that is a, that is a, an extremely important, um, part of my life. And, and how do, how do I do that? Well, I guess I'm trying to learn more than talk a lot about that right now, but sure. if I ever gain more insight, uh, into it, I, I think that because that's that's a future in the church. I think a lot of us want, but few of us know how to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, that that would be a, a cool project to pick up. So yeah, yeah, those are some things that are on my mind. That was a really great man. I'm looking forward to that. I know we get to have a lot of conversations about those kinds of things, um, and I'm excited for voices like yours, which I think can offer a really unique perspective and bridge a lot of divisions um, quite well, just based on kind of your story and how you're wired and. And, uh, and even some of the testimony of what you've already been able to accomplish, what your church has really been about for the last several years. And uh, so I'm really thankful for you, Adam. And this is, uh, is going to be a really, really helpful book. I don't know if there's, there's a lot of important things in our world, but this is a big, big one to learn how to rest well in a very chaotic, very overfunctioned kind of world. And Adam, I'm thankful that you were honestly willing to take something that you were really weak at and take your stab at it and throw your hat into the ring and offer something that I think can offer hope and encouragement for people that would otherwise want to dismiss a topic like this. So thanks for doing that, man. And thank you for jumping on and having a conversation about it. Thank you, man. Yeah, buddy. Well, I'll let you get back to all your Bostonian activities, whatever you do up there, eat crabs or lobsters, what, whatever whatever it is that uh, you have. We for just the rest drive of around angrily. That's, that's, <laughs> what, that's what we do. All right, buddy. We'll talk later. Thanks for being on. 